Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. We're going to continue in our series, Red Letters. How many of you guys have been loving this series here? How many know when you read the Bible, it's important? All right. I, I got word that first service was a good service. Now, you guys are letting me down a little bit here. How many know that when you read the word, it's important? But when Jesus is directly speaking, how many know that is vitally important? Amen. So the red letters is all the things that Jesus has said. If your Bible doesn't have red letters, it's okay. Doesn't mean that's not a real Bible. It is a real Bible. But the red letters are just highlighted in some Bibles here. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16 says, You are the what? You're the salt of the earth. How do we know that Jesus called us to be salt, but not salty? For the younger generation, you know exactly what I'm saying. Right? When someone has a little bit of attitude, they say, ooh, you're salty today. Right? How many know that Jesus or God never called us to be salty people? He didn't call us to have bad attitudes. And no wonder why sometimes people don't want to come to church with you, be around you. You know, no one likes me. You might be salty, right? The wrong kind of salt that Jesus is asking for. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is it if it loses its flavor? You can make it. uh, Can you make it salty again? Someone say no. It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the what? You're the light of the world, right? So don't be cast in any shade, right? If you're a young generation, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Jesus says you're the light of the world. So we're not to be salty or shady, right? If your neighbor's a shady person, find another seat. Ooh, some people are moving. (laughs) Pastor, I thought you were going to encourage us. You're causing trouble in the church today. (laughs) You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise who? Come on, praise who? Right? He never said you're going to get a lot of likes on Facebook because you put a nice little scripture on there. Right? He never said your Instagram followers were going to automatically triple and quadruple because, you know, you put something on Jesus. No, listen, that, that's the problem today is everyone is looking for praise. The Bible says if you are looking for the acceptance or praise of man, you've already received it. Right. But our job is not for us to get recognition. It's to give recognition to him. Right. I mean, we could go home right now. I told you, don't be salty. Don't be shady and give God all glory. That's three points, three point sermon. And we are done. But let's bow our heads because I got more to say. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you put into perspective even the simple things of life. Thank you so much for your word today. And I pray as a result of it, let us never, ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, we all say, amen. You may be seated. Unless you're sitting next to a shady or salty person, 
You have the opportunity to move now. But Matthew chapter 5 through 7 actually is what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus preaches a sermon, but more than a sermon that he preaches, what he says is this. Jesus gives us kind of an insight of what it looks like to be a kingdom person. If you want to know, what, is it to, what does it look like to be in church? How am I supposed to conduct myself? What am I supposed to do? Well, Matthew chapter 5 through 7, Jesus really breaks it down there. He, he, he addresses uh, something called attitudes. Someone say attitudes. Right? He, he teaches us how we should uh, you know, have the attitudes, the be attitudes there. He also talks about our dealings with others. Right In Matthew chapter 5 through 7, he talks about how we should deal with other people. We shouldn't be salty or shady, right? He tells us also um, our response to our enemies, okay? Not how we feel that we should do it, but how he is telling us how to do it. So he, he, he gives us our response to our enemies. He also teaches us how to pray, right? He doesn't give us the prayer to pray, the Lord's Prayer is not something that we just repeat, and, and, and He's given us a model by which we should pray. It's an example of how we should pray. He also talks about finances. You see, the Word really does address every level and issue of life. He talks about tenacity, how you need to keep knocking and keep seeking until you get what you want. Right? you got to keep going after it. But in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 and 16, this is where Jesus reveals to us who we are to be as believers. So Jesus did not say this is who you are to strive to be. You see, the problem that we have in church is simply this, is a lot of us still think that we are a work in progress. Yes, God is still doing things in your life. We are growing. You, you never stop growing and you never stop learning. But a lot of us don't share our faith. A lot of us don't let our light shine. A lot of us uh, don't flavor the world because we still say, well, God is still working on me. My response to you this morning would simply be this. How much longer and how much more does he have to do in your life? Let me give you something that qualifies you to be used by God, to stand strong in your faith. It's simply this. It's called the blood of Jesus. It's called grace and mercy. If you got that alone, you have all the education, you have all the ammunition that you need to bring someone to a a relationship in Christ. You don't need Bible college. You don't need to work on this and work on that. If you are waiting until you get completely good to go, you will never be completely good to go. That's a good clapping point. Jesus does not say this is who we are to strive to be. He says this is who you are. You are the salt of the earth. You are light as well. Not that you are becoming, but you already are. So that means that what you already have has the power to change somebody's life. Do you know that you are the answer to somebody's problem in this world? Not that you would get glory, but that God would get glory. You are the answer. You are the the resolution to somebody's problem in in the world. You you answer some kind of problem that someone, a question somebody's been having. So he says that you are salt and light. In other words, you are flavor and illumination. 
That's who God has called you to be. Not that you are becoming, but you are flavor and illumination. You see, that's good news this morning because that means this, that God wants to use me and God wants to use you even in our broken states at times, even when we don't got it together, even when our thought processes and all that, even when our actions aren't good, even when maybe you even skip a day of reading your Bible. God still loves you. Even a day that you woke up late and you couldn't get into prayer. Not only does God still love you, but God wants to use you. You see, the problem we have is that we can't see ourselves being used by God because a lot of times we don't think we have anything worthy of saying. Because I'm still working on myself. No, you are the salt and the light. You are the salt and the light. You are flavor and illumination. You see, of all the things that Jesus could have chosen to compare us to as believers, he chooses salt and light. He could have called us the silver and gold of the world. But that would mean that we bring value to people. Understand that value is already attributed by God to all of us. God loves us all the same. So he didn't call us silver and gold of the world. He says that we are the salt and the light of the world. So he calls us salt. They said that there are 14,000 different uses of salt. And this morning I want to go over each and every one of them. Troy asked if I heard a song this morning that says, keep it short and sweet. I said, I did it, but I like the song already. There are 14,000 different uses of salt. You see, salt adds flavor. But salt could only flavor with what it comes in contact with. How many of you know that having a, a thing, if, if you have a... A, a jar of sea salt in your cabinet and you are cooking food on the stovetop. How many know that being next to the salt does not make the food taste good? Hear me. You could take a jar of salt and you could put it an inch away from your food, but unless the salt gets on to the food, it does nothing for the food. You see, a lot of us think, well, I'm just called to work a job, or I'm just called to be in school, or I'm just called to live in this neighborhood. No, you are at that point just a jar that is next to something, but you haven't added flavor to it yet. What he has called you to do is actually get into the lives of people, to get into the fabric of the job, to find out why you're really there, and begin to add flavor. Because salt can only flavor what it comes in contact with. You know, there is nothing worse than eating a meal that lacks salt. There is absolutely nothing worse than biting into some scrambled eggs that no one has salted. My first question I ask anybody that cooks me eggs is, did you put any salt on it? Because I don't want to taste nasty eggs. I, I need a little salt. And a little, how do you know that if you just have a little bit of salt and some pepper that you could go a whole and do a whole lot with just those two right there. But salt alone could go a long ways. That's why he calls us to be salt. He didn't say you were garlic powder. It's good. 
He didn't say you were onion powder. Those things are all good, but they are added to whatever has salt in it, and they taste good at that moment because salt could only add flavor to what it comes in contact with. You see, we can't be afraid to go into a flavorless world. A lot of times we're trying to keep our children out of public school because we don't want the school to affect our children. Well, if you have them grounded in their faith, believe me, it won't happen. That means if you get them to church and you take them to youth group, believe me, I understand the struggle. I understand the commitment that it takes. I got two that are in youth group, so I have to leave work on Thursday, drive home, eat dinner, pick up my kids and drive them all the way back to the place I just came from and sit there all day long while my two girls, why do I do it? Because someday they're going to leave my care. In a few years, they will be out of my care. But that does not mean that they are no longer my responsibility. They are my children. I stand accountable before God to make sure that they did things. That's why he says, train up a child in the way that they should go. So that when they get older, they won't depart. A lot of kids and a lot of the, uh, the generation of today, the millennials, are not coming to church Why is that? It's because no one added flavor to their life. They see a flavorless church and they don't want to go to that. Listen, they need to see us activated and on fire for God. They need to see you as as parents lifting their hands in worship. Listen, don't be ashamed of that stuff. Why? Because what it's doing is it's teaching them something. I love when I see a parent holding their little child and the parents just holding their hands up in worship and all of a sudden the kid doesn't know how to respond to worship except what they see their mom and dad doing and so they respond just like that. You have to ask yourself, what do I want my children to be like? You see, the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree and we can't get mad at them if they are just resembling us. And doing what we did. So if you sat like this during worship and you see them and you get mad at them, why do you cross your arms? It's because that's what they've seen you doing. If they've seen you not come to church because maybe you had a, you know, oh, I got in a fight, forget church. You know what's going to happen is when they hit hard times, they're going to run away from the church instead of to church. Adding salt first starts at home. You see, we can't be afraid to go into a flavorless Worlds, because we could never condemn what Jesus set out to save. Hear me, you can't condemn, you can't look at a flavorless world and say, you know what, I just need to stay away from them. No, Jesus came to save them. Jesus came to save, seek and save that which was lost. When we talk about salt, salt was not what it is today. It had value in the Bible time. It said that Roman soldiers um, at times pay, were paid in salt. Hence the term, you're not worth your weight in. It, it had value to it. Because of its preserving ability, salt not only had value, but it was valuable. Hear me this morning. As believers, we should not only uh, be valued, but we should also be valuable. Hear me. 
You should not only be valued, but you should be valuable, meaning that people should seek you out because there's something about you that when they get around you, you add such a good flavor to their life. There should be something about believers, something about Christians that when they get into the workplace, they should be the ones that are setting the pace. They should be the ones that are encouraging, not discouraging. They should be the ones that are putting out fires, not starting them. They should be the ones that are performing at the highest level. Why? Because every Everything that you do gives glory to God. As believers, we should not only be valued, but we should be valuable. You see, people should come and search. People should be looking for you. People should be asking for you. Why? Because you are valuable. You, are in, you, 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 should, be, you should have to turn down work because you got so many calls coming your way. That's what it should be like as believers because when you get out in the workforce and you begin to do things at a high level with integrity, everybody wants that on their team. Not only that, but when you add and bring the morale of the team up, everybody will want you. Sometimes we have to ask ourselves, if things are turning down, we can't always say, well, God is closing doors for me. Maybe we might just close them ourselves. Still with me. People should come in search of us. You see, as great as Jesus says that we are as the salt of the earth, he also warns us of losing our saltiness. Why would Jesus tell us you're the salt of the earth, but you got to be careful that you don't lose your saltiness? Because as valuable as salt is, Jesus shows us how it could very easily become devalued. We can't always ride the train and pull the car that I'm God's child and I am favored. Understand that favor follows those who act favorable. It is not automatic. Blessing doesn't just come because you showed up to church. Blessing is a result of what you put into the kingdom. It's a result of faithfulness. It's a result of integrity. God blesses those things. Open doors don't just open by themselves. God will open up doors. He'll give you positions that you have no degree for. Why? Because God blesses those that are favorable. He favors those that make themselves to be favorable. He says, if you want friends to make yourself what? Friendly. As valuable as salt is, Jesus shows us how it can just as easy be devalued. You see, salt is only devalued when it loses its saltiness. Growing up, my, I'm half Mexican, half Puerto Rican. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. Mexicans. Yeah. You could always tell Puerto Rican in the house because whenever you say that, they start chirping all over the place. Very quiet and humbled people. <laughs> but in my grandmother, in the, in the bottom of her cupboard outside, she had this, um, it was a ceramic, like five-gallon jar, I think, with a wood top, and it was full of salt. And if you move the salt away, it had a fish, um, a salted fish, I think it's cod, correct? But we call it bacalao. bacalao. Smells horrible. Taste amazing. But that salt, because it had sit with the fish all that time, you couldn't take that salt and just put it on some eggs now without your eggs tasting like bacalao. Why? Because it had taken on the flavor of what it was supposed to flavor. 
And so the salt lost its saltiness. Not that it wasn't salty anymore, but you couldn't use it like you wanted to use it because all of a sudden it started tasting like something else. How does salt lose its saltiness? It loses its saltiness when it starts to taste like what it's supposed to preserve. That's how salt, that's how it becomes no good. So if you leave salt in contact with something like, like fish or you leave salt in contact with, with something that, that, that it begins to flavor the salt, the salt is no good at that moment. And a lot of us, what it ends up happening is we go in with good intentions, but our good intentions pretty soon get lax. And so instead of trying to change the world, the world begins to change us. You begin to see little things begin to happen. Habits start to form. You're wondering, why in the world am I going back? It's because you've lost your saltiness. Because what you were supposed to preserve, you ended up tasting like. And Jesus warns us of that. You see, the Bible says when salt loses its saltiness, at that moment it is good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of man. When you find yourself at a place where you are no longer being influential, but you are being influenced, that's a dirty, nasty place at that moment. The Bible says that you will get walked on. You'll be thrown out into the streets because you're not valuable at that moment. You've lost your value. And if you find yourself this morning at that place where you're beginning to let down your guard and you see a little bit of compromise, get your saltiness back this morning. Get back on track. Begin to repent. Ask God, Lord, let me be influential and I don't want to be influenced any longer. Don't lose your saltiness. Jesus says also that we are the light of the world. You see, your light shining is offering hope to a world in need. Your light shining is offering hope to a world in need. You know, the first time I asked somebody if they wanted to accept Jesus and they told me no, I got offended. I thought everybody needed Jesus, and here I am offering you something. It's, it's kind of like, you ever cook a good meal for somebody, and then they tell you, I'm not hungry? That's how I felt. I felt offended. Hold on. He died for your sins. He came as you, not only died for you, but died as you, and you're telling me that you don't need him? How many know that you are going to be rejected in life? There are going to be people that don't like you just because you're a good person. You're going to be hated for doing good. You're going to be, someone's going to say, oh, you're just too happy. Well, do you want me to be more mad? I mean, you'll hate me for being mad. You'll hate me for being happy. Well, how come they're not smiling? You're going to be hated just for being you. Listen, we are not in this game for the applause or the approval of mankind. We are, if you are looking for the approval of mankind and the applause of mankind, and if your whole life is based upon who likes you, then we need to pray for you because that's going to be a pretty disappointing place in life because there are going to be people, like I said, who just don't like you because you are too tall, you're too short, where you're this race, you're that, you know, gender. Uh, well, I don't like your shoes with your outfit. Therefore, that must tell me who you are as a person. People are going to pick out the most silliest thing of why not to like you. They're going to look at you and just already have a preconceived idea of who you are already. In those moments, let me tell you, let your light shine. 
Let your light shine. He calls us the light of the world. Don't let the world's hatred of you stop you from shining. Don't let somebody's opinion of you stop you from shining. Why well, do good and nobody even, why should I even do good? You don't do good because you're looking for the response of man. You do good because of who's inside of you. Goodness dwells inside of you. That's why you do good. I don't do good because I'm looking for a raise. I mean, a raise will come out of me doing good, but I don't do it for that moment. I do it because the goodness of God dwells inside of me, and therefore that makes me a good person. And if you just don't like me, that's okay, because the Bible says they're not hating on you anyway. They're hating on him. So shine. Don't let anybody put out your light. You see, show love where love is not expected. When someone does you wrong and someone talks about you, show love. Not that you're trying to get back at them, but that's just who you are. I'm not going to let you cramp my style. I'm not going to let you change me. I'm not going to play your game. You want to hate on me? Awesome. I'm not going to say something in response to what you put on, you know, put out there against me. It's okay if that's how you feel about me. Perfectly fine because there are a lot of other people who love you a whole lot more than just that one person who keeps saying these bad things about you. Why do we focus on the things, the small, little, minute things that really don't matter in life and the people who you're really not going to see for the rest? of your life, why do you let their opinions dictate who you're going to be? Show love where love is not expected. Show kindness where kindness is not expected. You know, one thing that really irritates me is when I hold the door open for somebody and they walk through and don't even say thank you. I could tell there's some of you in the crowd today too that get irritated by that. My human response wants to grab them by the hair, pull them back into the door, shut it and walk out. That's my human response. And my human response also wants to say, well, you're welcome. But that won't do them any good. And it sure won't do me any good. And it'll look horrible against my witness as a believer. So I have to fight everything that's inside of me and say, maybe they just don't come from a culture where they say thank you. Show kindness where kindness is not expected. Because our good deeds are a result of the goodness of God that dwells in us. Continue to shine. Don't let somebody change who you are. Because we don't do good expecting anything in return. We do good because that's who we are. Even when you are shut down for doing good, continue to do good. Even when someone gets the promotion that you were supposed to get. Do good, because all that tells me is there is a bigger promotion. That one was just too small for you. God says, I got something big. And so when it happens, you're going to look back and say, I'm so thankful I'm not in that position right now. I'm so grateful that I didn't take some of, you know, the small things that I thought were big things. And God says, I got something way, way bigger for you. Well, Lord, you keep forgetting about me. No, he hasn't forgotten about you. God is blessing you. God is taking care of you. Even when you're shut down for doing good, continue to do good. Don't allow the opinions of man to put a basket over your light. Bibles calls us a city on a hill. I'm 6'4". It's hard for me to hide in the crowd. 
I can't walk into a building unannounced. I just, my size announces itself. Some of you other people could just get in there and just hide and not even know that you were there. Like, I didn't see you. Like a city on a hill can't be hidden. Let your faith be loud. Let your faith be loud. I'm going to ask if the worship team could help me. Now, let me explain what that means. That does not mean that you hold your Bible, stand on your desk, and tell everybody in the workplace how bad of a person they are and how good of a person you are because you have Jesus in your life. That's not what I'm talking about, about letting your faith be lived out loud. What I'm saying is this. When someone comes around you that they like to be around you and they invite more people to be around you because you add flavor to their life because you're salt. And then you let your light shine. So all of a sudden, the person who turns you down, the person who says stuff about you, all of a sudden, when they start going through a hard time and your light is shining really bright and they're in the darkness of light, all of a sudden, when they get around you, they just feel something different. So they want to be around you. You're changing cultures and changing atmospheres by what? By simply being yourself, by allowing the goodness of God at that moment. So when those doors begin to open up, then you can at times share your faith. Don't be afraid to let people know that you're a believer, though. Doesn't mean you have to wear a Jesus is my homeboy shirt. That doesn't mean you have to do that. But there should be something about your conduct that lets people know something different about you. Something different about you. It's funny because when I think of somebody who's salt and light, I always think of Dave Rodriguez. We, we just bought a house in Hollister. We moved in yesterday. Yes, yes. Closing one chapter of going through the fire and living in an apartment is... And so we're there, and we go to look at the house, and Dave and Julie come over, and my realtor's not there, so she sends her assistant over. And so I'm just there to see my house. I shake her hand. Her name's Elizabeth. Shake her hand. Nice to meet you. Everything. And I'm going through. And then all of a sudden, Dave is chopping it up with her. And he goes, Pastor, let me introduce you to Elizabeth. I'm like, I met Elizabeth when I walked in. He goes, let me really introduce you to Elizabeth. He says, Elizabeth lives in Milpitas. I passed her in Milpitas. He says, Elizabeth used to go to church, but she's not going to church anymore. And I'm like, I came to see a house. (laughs) And this guy is letting his light shine continually, flavoring people. And so now I'm just throwing out the net to Elizabeth. Hey, we'd love to have you come out. And, have, and she's in, you know, it, she contacts me and, hey, we'd love to have you come out. And, uh, but, but you know what? Nick was just there to see the house. I wasn't looking to shine on anybody. I wasn't looking for any, to add flavor to anybody. But then you have someone who always lets their light shine and always allows their life to flavor somebody. And now we have somebody who could possibly start coming to the church because somebody had enough, you know, uh, you know, ability to talk to this individual and get to know them enough to say, hey, they live right down the street from where your church is and they're looking for a church. That, that's, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. It's about someone going through a hard time 
of losing somebody in life or somebody is sick in their family and they come to work and you just see something, their demeanor is down and you go over to them and you just begin to lend support. I'm not talking you lay, pour oil on their head and begin to speak in tongues over them. I'm not saying that. You just begin to lend support and say, hey, listen, man, if you need anything, I'm here for you. Why would you do that? They would say, why would you do that? Nobody else in this office is, 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 is lending me that I'll cook food for you. I'll do this. Why are you doing that? It's because the goodness of God dwells inside of me. If God is that good for you just to meet a simple need in my life, I need that God in my life. That's how we change worlds. That's how we add light. That's how we add flavor to a flavorless world. As simple as that. You don't have to take your pulpit. You don't have to carry your Bible. You don't have to ask them to bow their heads or anything like that. Just be you. Let the goodness of God that's inside of you begin to come out of you in every single way where people say, you know, you're a good guy. You're you're a good lady. I, I need to be around you. I need to be around you. And you begin to change lives because you are flavor and illumination to a dark and flavorless world. That's who Jesus says that we are. So I challenge you this morning and everywhere you go, not just sometimes, but everywhere you go. Well, Pastor Nick, the product's not finished yet. Jesus didn't say this is who we're becoming. He says this is who you are. You are salt and light. Well, I still need to have things done in my life. Listen, we all do. We all do. We can't use the excuse any longer. We all got things in our life that we need help with. That's what he's there for. But he puts you in a place where someone else needs help. And that's what you're there for. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.